Hold that Bible up in the air. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I will do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, say, I'll never be the same. Shout that out. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big praise this morning. He's worth it. Amen. We're excited you're here. We're believing God for big things. We, this is going to be a great year. Amen. But you got you to you be prepared to fight. You know, my father used to tell us all the time, you don't wait till the bomb hits before you build a bomb shelter. Get ready. Be prepared. You know, a lot of times, and Shelby and I, when we're uh, meeting with people and ministering and, uh, you know, just uh, and issues that rise up in families and business and, and just in life in general, how many of you know stuff's going to happen in life? Have you figured it out? If, if you're breathing, there's a good chance you might inhale something. You know, something can happen, but you don't have to be unprepared for any of it. You can be ready. You know, the enemy's defeated. And he's under our feet. Matter of fact, the Word of God says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy the works of the evil one. If Jesus was successful in his purpose on this earth, then he has destroyed the works of the evil one. He didn't break them, because that which is broken can be repaired. He destroyed them. They've been rendered powerless, annihilated for eternity. So how does a defeated foe wreak so much havoc in the lives of victorious believers? It must be because we forgot to read, give the devil no place. Don't give him an open door. Don't, give him, don't, don't allow the enemy to come in and build strongholds in your life. We have all kinds of thinking that doesn't line up with the Word of God. We know God's Word. Isaiah says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts and my ways aren't your ways. and My thoughts are higher than yours. So you're going to have to change the way you think. New Testament, it says to be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's life, there, there's zoeways wrapped up in being spiritually minded. So we know we've got to change the way we think. Most of us can quote, you know, from the Bible where it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The, I think it's the message translation that says that God will change you. He'll, he'll, he'll change everything about life by changing the way you think. We've got to think differently. We can't think like the world thinks. We can't tune in to, to the world's system of logic and just get comfortable with that and get acclimated there and expect to have God outcome in our life you realize that God's plan is not going to be accomplished through a world's theory. Thank you for that incredible response right there. It's not. You've got to be thinking God's thoughts. You've got to be using Scripture to found your life. The theory for your life should be in Scripture. The, the argument shouldn't be against the Word of God, but it should be in favor of the Word of God. See, we have a lot of thinking, a lot of theories, and a lot of arguments. But yet we're still not getting the results that God says that we can get in every area of our life. So we need to build our life, our family, our home, maybe not on our wisdom. 
Maybe we should separate from the world's wisdom and get back to God's wisdom. Amen? Look at Proverbs 24. Verse 3, it says, Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a home, a family built. This is how you build your life. Godly wisdom. You know, it's hard right now because so much of the secular wisdom doesn't line up with God's wisdom. So much of the world's opinion opposes what God says. But i got to tell you that when you do what God said, He produces what He promised every single time. And when you don't do what He said, He can't do what He promised every single time. So if you're looking for the production of God's promise in your life, see, in other words, if you're looking at the Bible, and the Bible paints pictures of what the end can look like. Isaiah 32, 18, My people shall dwell in a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling, a quiet resting place. That's a great picture to paint for the end result at your house. A peaceful habitation. How many of you would like to have more peace in your house? Right? A secure dwelling place. A place where you're just comfortable and free to be who God's called you to be. A quiet resting place. Where the storms are turned off. Where, where, the, where the noise of the world just can't penetrate. That's the end picture that God declared for us. Well, if we do what God said, we can see that produced in our life. Now, if we do the, the way the world says, or the secular wisdom, you know, what seems right to us, doesn't Proverbs tell us that there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends are the, ends are the ways of death, or they're separated from the end that God declared at the beginning? You, you can't do it just any old way. You know, you might think that what I think can't hurt me, but I'm here today to tell you that the way you think can kill you. It can separate you from the very life that God's trying to connect you to. Remember, Jesus said in John 10.10, I've come that you might have and enjoy life, abundant life, to the top, till it overflows. We're talking about overflowing life that Jesus came to connect us to. But the first part of that verse says, The thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, you might think that he ain't coming, but that don't change the fact that you have an enemy that's going to come and his, his job, his strategy is to do whatever he can to rip from your grip the wisdom that God would have you use to build your house. Now, here we are, and we're in a society that's just filled with secular systems of logic that are contrary to God's system of logic. Remember, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was Logos. It's actually where we get our word logic. In the beginning was God's system of logic. Do you think, perhaps, that from the beginning until now, there's been a slight shift in the systems of logic that we, in this country, use to build our life? Well, all we have to do is recognize it. We don't have to get depressed or defeated. We just need to realize, oh, we need to shift back and use godly wisdom... To build our house. We've got to have godly wisdom to build our house. Proverbs 24, again, we'll put it up here. Through skillful and godly wisdom is a life, a home, a family built. By understanding, it's established on a sound and good foundation. Can I just remind you of Mark 4.24 in the Amplified? It says, the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear determines the level of virtue and power, knowledge that comes back to you. The more... 
thought and study you give to the truth you hear. It starts off, King James, it says, be careful what you hear. Mark 4, 24, be careful what you hear. The word hear is understand. Make sure you, you know what your understanding is. See, because as you increase your understanding, God's Word will increase your, uh, your ability to produce results. Through understanding, your house is established. Understanding what? Godly wisdom. This isn't, this isn't too high for you. It, it, you know, godly wisdom isn't beyond our reach. Don't, don't let the enemy tell you that you're not smart enough. See, it's not an issue of whether you're smart enough. It's an issue of whether you're tall enough. You with me? It's not smart. It's reach. Height. Okay? I'll prove it in just a second. Verse 4. By knowledge shall its chambers of every area be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Pleasant and precious. Isn't that what you want at your house? Precious and pleasant. Wouldn't it be cool to have precious and pleasant without having to buy two cocker spaniels? You know, you, you, you can buy them and call them precious and pleasant, but you can get precious and pleasant just through knowledge. Look at verse 5. A wise man is strong and better than a strong man. A wise man is strong. Who's a wise man? Well, Jesus settled that in Matthew when he said, anyone who heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, he's like a wise man who's building his house on a rock. But anyone who heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, he's a fool who builds his house on the sand. And the storms come to both of them. The winds come against both of them. The rain falls on both of them. But the wise man's house stands. But great is the fall of the fool's house. See, Jesus said that if you do what He said, you're wise. If you don't do what His Word says, you're a fool. Well, a wise man, who's that? Somebody who does what the Word says. James says, be a doer of the Word, not a hearer only. Don't deceive yourself and live like a fool. But be wise. Do what God's Word says to do. And you'll be strong and better than a strong man. See, all that strength that you have because of your position or your, your, your abilities or your talents or, or, or your skills, that doesn't compare at all to the strength that comes to a man who's doing what God's Word tells him to do. A wise man is strong and better than a strong man. Man of knowledge increases and strengthens his power. Look at verse 6. For by wise counsel you can wage your war. You know, we're in a battle fighting for the family. We're in a battle fighting for what is right. Right doesn't come easy. Right demands a fight. You know, quite often, you know, people will say things, you know, and we'll be accused of not being real. Well, you got to be real. I got to tell you something. Being real is not measured by whether you're drawn to negativity or the promise of God's word or not. Being real. There are real things, real challenges. I understand that life is hard. But God is good. Life is hard. But God is good. God is good. So, you know, that doesn't change the fact that life's hard. Jesus said, in this world there's going to be tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome all of that. And if you're in Christ, you're a world overcomer. So you don't have to live 
focused on life is hard. You can live focused on God is good. Hello? Come on, guys. Let's, let's live like we're wise and let's wage this war. And in an abundance of counselors, there's victory and safety. But verse 7, here it is. Wisdom is too high for a fool. Wisdom's too high for a fool. So see, wisdom, you just have to position yourself to get it. It's kind of like being in a grocery store and all of the shelves are loaded with everything that we need for life. Doesn't the Bible say that He has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and unto godliness? So you're walking down the aisles and, you, and the shelves are stocked. It's not like we're in the store and it's empty. No, the, the shelves are stocked. But some of us, we just can't reach what we really need. Why? Because we're living life at a level that's too low. Matthew ten thirty nine in the Amplified says that if you let go of the low life, you can have it the high life. But he who hangs on to the low life will miss out on it the high life. There's a higher level of life that God has for you. Zoe. The Greek word for life, eternal life, it doesn't start when you're dead. It starts when you're born again. You can come up to a new level of life. You can think the thoughts of God. God's thoughts are higher. But see, if you elevate yourself, you can get your hand on what God thinks. You can, you can get your hand on what God provides. You can bring into your life what God wants to release into your life to position you to win and succeed in every given situation in life. God desires to bless you. Have you read your book? Have you read the book? The Lord will bless you. He will position you to win and succeed in every situation in life. He will. He will. How does God bless? Have you read the book? According to Genesis, in the first chapter, God takes Adam and Eve, He puts them in the garden, and He blesses them, and says, right? So, and says, so how does God bless? He speaks, so His Word is what's going to position you to win and succeed in any given situation. So when you do what He said, you'll be positioned to possess what He said you could possess. It's not, to, it's, it's not that you've got to get smart, it's that you've got to get tall. You've got to walk tall. You've you got to be brave you got to be brave it takes courage to do what god says to do try it out love your neighbor what happens if you don't like them you still got to do what god's word says to do it takes courage to do that be at peace strive to be at peace with everyone takes courage to do that. Why? Because you might get taken advantage of. You might get hurt again. You might be disappointed again. takes courage. Here's one. Forgive. takes courage to forgive. takes courage. You've got to be brave. You've got to have some intestinal fortitude that will... Allow you to do what you don't want to do. I'm going to be brave. And I'm going to trust God. I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. Just because I walk by faith don't mean I ain't real. What it means is I got incredible courage. Right? How many times in your Bibles are the words fear not or be not dismayed or, or, or you know, let not your heart be troubled? 365 times in your Bible it, it refers to don't be afraid. That's one for every day of the year. You know what that tells me? Every day can be scary. Right? 
There's a reason they say fear not, because it's going to get scary up in here. So, fear not. What does that mean? Be brave now. Be brave. Look at your neighbor and say, be brave now. Come on, look at him say, be brave now. Now's the time. Now's the time to get your courage on. Now's not the time to cave in, give up and quit. Now's not the time to back up and give it a second thought. Now's the time to take what you know about God's Word and begin to do that. You know, it doesn't do any good to ask God for greater levels of wisdom if you won't walk in the wisdom that you already have. If we already know what we ought to do, we got to get on it and we got to start doing it, right? You can't allow what you did wrong yesterday to prevent you from doing what you know is right today. I know the enemy comes against us and he has all kinds of thoughts that he sows into our mind to try to stop us from doing what we already know is right. We already know it's right, but we've got this thought, this thought that just says, oh, come on, surely I can have a break. Surely I don't need that. I, you know, really today, this is just today. I mean, look, look at the life. It's crazy. Damn, I'm going to, at least those are the thoughts that go through my mind when I'm thinking about exercise. You know, how, how many times has the thought gone through my mind during the fast? You can't run. You're weak. And I'm going, you're right. Let's watch TV. <laughs> Ran the, the bridge loop the other day and was going past Todd's shop. And uh, I looked down there and there's a bunch of church guys hanging out in front of the shop as I'm running by. I'm thinking to myself, this is wrong. <laughs> they probably have caffeine in there. That's what they have. You know, and, and the thoughts that come. See, the enemy's smart. He, by the way, the enemy's smart. When, when he's talking to you, when, when, he's trying to, when he's trying to mess with me, like during the fast, you know, it, it's amazing how, how many things have caffeine in them, which means I can't have them, which is a bummer, because I need some. You know, I'm just right on the edge. I'm going to make it, but I feel like I need some. Thoughts come. You know, thoughts come. And, and when, when the enemy's planting those seeds of thought in my mind, he doesn't, you know, it doesn't sound like this. He doesn't say, go get coffee. That's not how it goes. It, it's like, my Lord, that smells good. What is that? I'm in here. I'll be in here working, and, and I can smell it. And I'll walk down the hall and I'll open the door, and right across the street, espresso world. Someone needs to be evangelized at espresso world. And, and that's it. And the, you know, the enemy can start putting those thoughts there. And now I've got a reason to walk across the street. It's not for coffee. It's to evangelize the lost. I need to reach the lost right now. Matter of fact, bow your heads. No. Uh, and pretty soon that reason is an argument. And I can argue with everybody in the office who's trying to keep me from breaking the fat. Don't go, don't go. And I can argue and argue and argue because I've got to get there. They're dying and going to hell. Can't you see? Turn it into this huge spiritual thing. All I want is caffeine. And it's an argument. And then pretty soon it's a stronghold. And all I can think of is espresso world, espresso world, espresso world, espresso world, espresso world. I have to go there because Greg goes to church and Greg owns the store and Greg needs to be supported. It's a sin. The Bible says when you can do good, when the power of doing good is in your hand, do it. I need to buy some of his stuff. Now it's a stronghold. And my life is messed up. It's just that easy in different areas of our life. It's that easy. It takes, it takes courage to say, you know what? Greg won't go out of business before Monday. A week from tomorrow. 
He's going to make it. God will provide. You've got to be brave now. Look at Joshua chapter 1 with me. Go to verse 2. Moses, my servant, he's dead. So arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all the people that I've connected to you. Can I just submit this thought to you that what God's doing in your life isn't really all about you? But it's about all those people that He's connected to you. You know, you might not be connected to three million people wandering through the desert, but there is a, there is a group of people that are going to be impacted and influenced and changed by you. He said, that last season of life, that's over. You know, the seasons of life that we deal with, one, the season of transition, change, new chapter, it's hard. It's hard to deal with change. But right now, you can't put it off. Right now, we're in a new year. you got to go ahead and deal with a season of transition. You know, another season that we deal with in life, it's the deliverance from storms that we've created ourselves. Self-imposed storms. Don't you love that? Stuff that you have labeled as the devil. But you know you did it. You said something you wish you hadn't said. You, you created something you wish you hadn't created. And now you need God's help. Isn't it good to know that God's plan, God has the ability in His plan to take all the stuff that you've created and still lead you through to victory. But dealing with that, you, you know, it's kind of like sowing wild oats and praying for crop failure. Sometimes they come up anyways, right? And you got to deal with it. You just, it's a season in life. And then there's seasons in life that are what I call the non-negotiables. They just happen to everybody. It's not your fault. It's not what you did. But it's coming anyways. It's just a storm. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. During these seasons is the time when God comes to you and says, Now, therefore, arise. Time for you to stand up. Time for you to get strong. Time for you to be brave. Look at verse 3. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I'm going to give it to you. In other words, you've got to take a stand. Every place you're willing to put your foot down. Every place you're willing to put your foot down. Aren't there areas in your life where it's time for you to put your foot down? Instead of just letting the enemy wreak havoc, he doesn't need to have that. He doesn't need to have those attitudes. You, you know, it, you, can, you can get control there. Put your foot down. One man said, as for me and my house, we're serving God. He put his foot down. Don't you think it's time you and I put our foot down in some areas of life and said, enough is enough. Time to take a stand. Look at verse 4. The wilderness, this Lebanon, even into the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, under the great sea toward the going down of the sun. It's going to be your coast. God said, I'm going to increase your borders. Where do you want to go? Where are you going to travel? How far do you want to reach? Are you happy with the little box you're living in? Or would you like to increase your borders? It's up to you. Verse 5. Not any man is going to be able to stand before you all the days of your life. So I was with Moses. I'm going to be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. God will not fail you. He will not forsake you. God will not fail you. He will not forsake you. God will not fail you. He will not forsake you. God will not fail you. He will not forsake you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. He will not fail you. He's not caving in, giving up and quitting on you. 
He's not going to walk off and leave you where you're at. He doesn't look at you and go, good, myself. Look at verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Because what? Decisions you make are going to impact these people. It's not all about you. Be strong and of good courage. Look at verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Picking up on a theme here. Look at verse 6. 6. Be strong and good courage. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. You getting it? Be strong. Be courageous. So that wherever you go, you can do what I said. No matter where life takes you, you need to be able to do what I said. So you're just going to take strength and courage. We already read, a wise man is strong. So you're going to have the strength if you're wise. You've got to have the courage to trust Him. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but you're going to meditate therein day and night. You know, maybe you have to turn the TV off, but you can get God's Word in you. You've got to have God's Word. You've got to have God's Word. You've got to have God's Word. You gotta have God's word. You gotta have God's word. Maybe, maybe you need to be brave, and before you open your email, open your Bible. You know, come on, get that, get a script. It doesn't take hours, it can just take minutes. Just invest some time so you can do what he said. All that is written therein, then you're gonna make your way prosperous, then you're gonna have great success. The areas of our life that aren't prospering, where we're not succeeding, could it possibly be because we're not doing what he said? Look at verse 9. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage? Have I not commanded thee? This is not a suggestion. This is a commandment. A commandment. How many of you parents have ever went to one of your children... And you grabbed them by the chin like this, just like this, real soft-like. And you looked in the eye and you said, look at me. Look at me. I can remember doing that with the boys, and there were times when their eyes would jet out the side of their head. You know, they just refused to. No, no, I'm not going to do it. Some of us, we act that way with God. It's a whole different message. I think God is looking at us, saying, come on now, this is vital. This is vital. You've got to get this. Your future depends on your ability to hear me right now. I mean, feel the intensity of this moment. Have I not commanded thee, be brave now. Can't let somebody else do this one for you. Can't look back to the past as somebody that you should make everything happen. No, this one's on you now. Be brave now. You've got to have some courage. Because you've got to do what I'm going to tell you to do. What I've told you. What I've spoken. What you've been taught. What you've learned. It's time now to begin to do it. See, family is under such attack. 
We've got to be brave now. We've got to do what's right now. We can't put it off. We need people who will go ahead and pray now. We need people who, who will go ahead and, and do the right thing now. Who will make godly decisions. Who will use godly wisdom. We need it now. we got to be brave now. You know, let, let, let me talk to the men for a minute. And men, you're the strength of our church. And, you know, I, I know guys. I have friends. And, 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 you know, and, they, and they got the right walk. You, you, you know, you, you got the swagger there. You, you, you got your man thing on. You got your big truck, your big mutters, your big hitch. You know, ride your Harley. Still afraid to pray with your kids? Talk tough? Still afraid to give? Quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> you got the look, you got the clothes, you, you, you got you got the verbiage. Still afraid to worship? Be brave now! Come on, be brave now! This isn't a physical fight that we're engaging in; it's a spiritual fight. Right? Where's the victory going to be won? In your mind and through your mouth. Be brave. Be a, be a person of prayer. Be a guy that knows how to open his Bible. Be a guy, and worship's not just singing the songs, it's worth-ship. Where God is worth more than anything else in your life. Be brave. It takes courage to make the change. But you've got to do it. We've got to be brave now. Look at Ephesians with me, chapter 6. We'll rush through this part. <laughs> Ephesians 6. Finally, brethren, Paul's writing. They got the advice of Paul. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Your strength is in God. In Him. Not in you. In Him. In the power of His might. His might is your ability to produce results. Put on the whole armor God, don't leave any of this off. Put it all on so that you're able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Because they're coming. The enemy's coming. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We're fighting against stuff you couldn't possibly have the tool to succeed in, so make sure you take the tools that God gives you. Take on... To you the whole armor of God, so that you're able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and uh, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He goes on and he says, take the shield of faith so you can quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And, and uh, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray always with all prayer. He paints this incredible mental picture. And you can almost see yourself getting up out of bed and slipping on your shoes of truth. Getting your breastplate of righteousness. But th these are spiritually applied. They're not physical. We're not handing out shields today when you leave. It's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual fight. To get the battle 
one in your life, you got to get in the realm of the Spirit. You can't stay in the flesh. All of these fleshly fights that we end up in, they're sideshow distractions to the real thing. 1980, when my father was sent home to die with cancer. And uh, they'd done everything they could. You know the story. Most of you, you, you know, they, he had been through radiation and chemotherapy. He had tubes up his nose, you know, in order to feed him. He was going to die. And he's sitting in that chair, and he's reading the Word of God, and he's getting revelation out of Proverbs 4, and he starts quoting that verse and quoting that verse. But, you know, in the middle of all of that, there was a point that he came to where... It, it, he almost didn't care whether he lived or died. The most important thing was that he stayed connected to God. And I think that if we get distracted by, by the physical fight, you know, okay, we got the cancer. That's real. Right? Life is hard. But God is good. And His Word says, My son, attend unto my... Words, hearken unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, for they are life to those that find them, and health and healing to all their flesh. And all of a sudden, because of relationship with God, there's, it's not a word of God, it's a word from God. It's the voice behind the word that begins to infuse him with life and causes him to get up out of that chair and run around drinking coffee for 20 more years. So I do this in honor of my father. No. <laughs> but don't be distracted by the physical battle. Be focused on the spiritual battle. Like in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 3, it says, we, we don't walk and live after the flesh. We're not carrying, or even though we walk and live in the flesh, we're not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh, using mere human weapons. Verse 4 says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not physical, they're not weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Strongholds in our life that have to come down. The strongholds have got to come down. Go, go to verse 5. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and the theories and the reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought into captivity, every purpose into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. What are these strongholds? Look at the first part of verse 5. Let's read that again. We refute arguments. Where are those? In our mind. We refute theories. Where are those? In our thinking. Reasonings. Where are those? In our mind. Everything that tries to separate us from the knowledge of God. Where's that? In our mind. That's the way we think. Isaiah says, Arise, shine, for the light has come. Arise. Change your posture. Change the way you view this. Look from a different perspective. See, you have strongholds that got to come down. How did they get there? It, it's, well, we had thoughts that were sown into our spirit, into our mind, by an enemy. And that thought, it just became a reason. That's the reason I do it this way. And that reason, that just became a theory. And that's the way I live my life. That theory just became an a, a argument. You know, you get to the point where you argue because it's easier to argue than it is to change. All of a sudden, now you've got a stronghold in your life. And that stronghold is holding you down so that you can't reach what God's put on the shelf for your possession. And if you would just simply deal with that stronghold, 
If you would let that argument go. If you would allow God by His Spirit to, to minister to you so that that theory, that, that reason in your life would melt in the presence of the Word of God. You could be free from that stronghold. Now you begin to win your battles. Where are we going to win the fight for the American family? In the way we think about how we handle family life. Where are we going to win the fight? It's in our, in our mind, with our mouth, the way we talk. We don't have to be drawn to negativity. We don't have to focus on how hard life is. We can begin to think differently and focus on how good God is. Did you really hear the Scripture Shelby read this morning. Can I borrow your Bible? Shelby came up and as we were just getting ready to worship, and she read this scripture, and it says, "Praise the Lord." I don't feel like it. Be brave now. I've got a hundred reasons why I don't need to, and will argue. You don't understand. This is really heavy. This is a huge burden. This is real. This is trauma. Be brave now. Praise the Lord. <laughs> See, how you, the, you guys, I know how you read your Bible because you're looking at me with that tone of voice. If I was you reading this scripture, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I, my soul cries. <sighs> While I live, will I praise the Lord? I should get my glasses on because I had to make this up as I go because I can't read this right now. <laughs> oh, look, there it is. Wow, it's the first time I've seen some of you guys in church. <laughs> praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have many being. Put not your trust in princes in a son of man in whom there is no help. When his breath leaves him, he returns to the earth. And that very day, previous thoughts, plans, and purposes perish. Happy, blessed, fortunate, enviable is, though he, is he who has the God of special revelation. You're reading your Bible wrong. You're reading your Bible wrong. See, you got a stronghold. I know you're going to argue. I can see it already. I know you've got a theory that if you read enough of it, it's going to change you. Not if you keep reading it like that. It's going to bore you. <laughs> see, when people come up to me and they say, I tried to read it, I just, and you know what I know? Is that they ain't putting anything in it. The Bible itself says the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives it life. God is seeking those who, who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. You've got to have some spirit. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that we, if we have a, a men's meeting and, and, and we sacrifice a calf and, you know, bring out barbecue sauce, we have 235 men show up, fill up this place, tear up the entire building, and they're all excited because there's archery outside and, there, and there's air guns down there and there's casting over there. Praise the Lord. You gotta have some spirit. You gotta read your Bible right. Praise the Lord. 
Oh, the stocks hit the fan. Praise God. I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm not going to pretend like the stuff didn't hit the fan. I'm just going to remember, life is hard, that God is good. Praise the Lord. While I live, I'm not dead yet. So while I live, I'm going to act like I'm alive instead of acting like I'm dead. It's a stronghold that gets on our life that causes us to want to be very refined. And we, we'll even call it religious. It stinketh. Okay, let's use some King James terminology. That mentality sucketh. you got to change it. While I live, I'm going to praise the Lord. And unless He kills me, I'm going to shout out one more praise. Unless you suck the life completely out of it. If I can't get another breath, okay. But as long as i got one, I'm going to be thankful that God is good. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to sing praises to my God while i got any being at all. I'm not putting my trust in the government. I'm not going to put trust in men. There is no help there. Their breath leaves them in the same day their thoughts, plans, and purposes end. But happy, blessed, fortunate, and to be envied is the man who has the God of special revelation for his help. I have the God of special revelation. On my side. I'm not alone. I'm not trying to figure this out. i got godly wisdom available to me. The God who created the family, who knows how to fix the family, is going to tell me what to do. And when I hear Him, I'm going to do what He said, and then I'm going to see the production of what He promised every single time. I'm not going to act like I'm, a, uh, I'm some kind of a, uh, of a pitiful... Spoiled brat that's bored in church. No, I'm going to have life pumping through my body. I'm going to live to praise God and demonstrate Satan's defeat instead of sitting there and acting like I know it all. We know you don't know nothing because the product of your life, nobody wants to be like you. So change. It ain't, it's not deep. Let me ask you a question in closing. If everybody, yeah, I don't need caffeine. You don't know how desperately. If I had caffeine, we'd be anointed. Let me ask you one final question. Do you hope with every fiber of your being that everyone you know can experience the same exact relationship with Jesus that you have? Or if they did, would it change them? I'm so thankful for what God's done in my life. Born and raised in church, still spent most of that time separated from God. That's why I can spot fakers. So many years of practice. Are you excited about what God's doing? And if you're not, could it be because of a stronghold that's been erected because of the arguments that you've fought to keep the theories that you've built your life on based upon the reasoning that came because of thoughts that connected to you that actually separated you from God instead of connected you to Him? Maybe if we took down the strongholds in our life, we'd be able to demonstrate Insane victory 
to a lost and dying world. We could preach sermons without using words. We could just live God life. Be a light instead of a reproach. Why does the church have such a bad name? Could it possibly be because we answer questions that nobody's asking? Could it possibly be because we're focused on rules and regulations and things that don't matter to hurting, suffering humanity? What if we just really connected to life? What if you found out the thing that kept you from really knowing Zoe was one stronghold in your mind? I believe we're at the threshold. Revelations 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'm coming in. God's entrance to your life, one threshold away. Why don't we open the door? How do we do that? We do what he said. If you hear my voice. Jesus said, if you hear my voice and do it, you're wise. You can reach what God's put on the shelf. Will you close your book, bow your head, and let me pray for you.